Sometimes we get so busy in our day that we don't just pause and let him speak and let him show us some things that, you know, we complain a lot about how hard our life is. And yet maybe we're carrying some things that uh, we shouldn't be carrying and we're supposed to lay them down. So what a great reminder, great challenge, and uh, will probably fit fairly well with uh, what I felt like the Lord put on my heart for today. Um, We're in a series that's called Church Matters. And the concept that church is important, it matters, but also matters in the sense of things that pertain to the church. So church matters, kind of a play on words. And uh, the beginning of this series, we laid that foundation that we have talked about as a church for a number of years, that church in the scripture, that word is not a building, it is not a program, it is not a worship service, it is not a denomination. Um, in our language, it means a lot of those things, but church, the word that is used in the scripture, is actually a kingdom community of people that God has put together to carry out his mission on the earth, to be his citizens, his representatives. When Paul uses that term in Philippi, that we are citizens of heaven. He is not, he's not saying that, um, you know, think of yourself as you're going to go someday to heaven. While that is true, the, the city of Philippi would have been a colony of the Roman Empire. So the citizens of Philippi, they would be citizens of Rome, but their job wasn't to go to Rome. Their job was to live in Philippi as if it was Rome. So they would establish a Roman colony in the city of Philippi. So Paul is using that analogy, and they would have totally understood it, as being citizens of heaven means live like you're in heaven. Well, that's kind of hard, Pastor Tom, because we know that we're not living in heaven. I know, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We have heaven in us. Angels ascend and descend upon our lives because the Holy Spirit lives in us. So we are to live... And I know for some of us, we think, well, that means miracles and supernatural power and people getting healed and dramatically saved. And yeah, it does mean that. But it also means that I can overcome poor service at a restaurant and not be rude. It also means I can be kind to the unkind. It also means that I can put up with coworkers, not even just put up with, I can bless coworkers that don't have a work ethic as strong as mine. I don't have to be overcome by the little things in my life because I have the Holy Spirit living in me. And I can be a citizen of heaven. I can live as if heaven is all around me because it's in me. Amen. That's a great thought, Pastor Tom. Thank you for preaching that today. And we're going to do that in just a second. Uh, Let's just review for a second. We talked about commodities of the church and how each of us, we are not the commodities, the people, but what we bring is. So our giftings, our energy, our effort, our money, our, our practical abilities, those are the commodities of the church because collectively we are the church. Last week we talked about connection and we talked about that word fellowship in the Bible is not a verb, it's a noun. And this idea of the church being a family, brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, we're to take on that role with one another and to serve one another in that sense and capacity and this close association that should be in the body of Christ. The one key to connection that I gave us last week was quick to listen, slow to speak, 
slow to become angry. And we're going to come back to connection in weeks ahead. We're going to talk about covenant in a few weeks or maybe next week. But today I want to talk about the ceilings of the church. The ceilings of the church. And I don't mean that ceiling. Um, With the help of my good friend Tim Enlow, who wrote a book called Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. And if you know Tim, if you remember him from being here, Tim has come and done some services for us. And he does a lot of teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is, how he operates, how he works. Um, He teaches a lot about how the manifestations of the Spirit, what we refer to sometimes as the gifts of the Spirit, operate and what they're like. And um, Tim is just an odd guy, and so he'd be okay with me saying that because he knows it. Um, and so he wrote a book called Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove, and in it, he, he puts this diagram, and I want to put it up for you to look at, and he talks about the ceiling of the natural realm. When you think of ceiling in that sense, we're talking about the limit or the cap of the, the natural world that we live in. And underneath that is human ability. And human ability is amazing. I mean, some of the things that we have come up with in scientific advancement, in medical advancement, in engineering, in technology, I mean, come on, the things that we have come up with as humans is mind-boggling. When you watch, like, when you watch the Olympics and you watch what people are capable of, human ability is nothing to be, like, uh, shrugged off. I mean, we can accomplish a whole lot. But no matter how much we accomplish, human ability will never be enough. It's not unlimited. There's always a point where the doctor says, that's all we can do. There's always a point in education when you're trying to teach, and there's just a cap. I mean, you just can't break it. You, by yourself, you just can't do it. That moment of helplessness or frustration Or maybe discouragement when you realize, I just can't do more. Well, that's where God comes in. Because God's ability is unlimited. And His ability can operate both ways. And so if you look at the diagram, you can see human ability can only operate below that ceiling. But God's ability operates above and below that ceiling. There is nothing that God cannot do. But what that diagram shows us is we can't even get to God without His help. That's why He sent His Son to the earth to live, to die, to be buried, to be resurrected, to ascend, to send the Holy Spirit because He was bringing heaven to us because we could not get there. But He brings His ability down to us and gives us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to go above and below. So he blesses our human ability and makes it even better, and he gives us the ability to go beyond our ability. If you're like me, the word can't is a part of your vocabulary quite a bit. Uh, I'm surprised at how often I use the word can't. And I mean, I want to say from the outset, we, we know that nothing is impossible for God and that we can do all things through a verse taken out of context. We can do that. Um, referring to Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, so these 10,000 things I have to accomplish today in the power of the Spirit I can accomplish, unless the Holy Spirit was telling you to say no to some of those things. 
And maybe you weren't meant to live with that little of margin in your life. And so sometimes we pull a verse out of that context and we're like, well, I can do anything with God's help. Well, yes, you can say no to some of the things you have said yes to for the wrong reasons with God's help. And he will help us do that. Even when we make a mess of our lives, he doesn't just sit back and be like, I told you not to say yes to that. He actually enters into that and helps us out of the mess we've made and then encourages us to not get back into that same mess. So God can do the impossible, but he can also bless the possible in our lives. And so today I want to talk about this ceiling and the times that we say can't. And now some of the times that you and I say, that's not possible, I can't do that, we're right Because we shouldn't, because the Holy Spirit is saying, no, don't do that. Don't give your yes to that thing. But I believe that we use that word can't. Well, Pastor, I can't do that. I can't be nice to that person. I can't do. And sometimes when we use that word can't, if we would stop and say, Holy Spirit, are you saying can't or am I saying can't? We might find that he's not saying can't. And he's saying, I'm actually trying to give you the power to do it, but you're refusing my help. And that's the ceiling I want to talk about. And we're going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to give you a full doctrinal belief. So if there are some things that I say today and you're like, I don't know if I agree with that or I don't know where you get that, you you contact me. We can one-on-one kind of go through that. We'll have other sermons on it. But there's a, a different thing I feel like God put on my heart to talk about this ceiling. And so I may gloss over some things that you're like, hmm, where did he get that from? And I promise you, if you ask, I will share with you where I got that from. And you still may not agree with me, and we can still be friends. It'll be great. But in John chapter 16, Jesus starts teaching about the Holy Spirit, and he says this in verse 7. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the comforting counselor will not come to you. So Jesus is telling people that he has lived with for three years, who he has empowered, who he has taught, who he has trained. It's actually better for you that I go away. And none of them are believing it. They're like, this is not going to be better for us. We don't like that idea. But when he went, he sent his spirit to dwell inside of every person who puts faith in Christ. So now, when Jesus was on earth physically, he was limited to wherever he was, however many people he could talk to. He is unlimited now by sending the spirit because the spirit dwells in every believer and there are houses of God all over the world today because of the Spirit living in people. And everything Jesus went about doing, all of the good, all of the kindness, all of the miracles, all of the the ways that He lived are now possible for everyone who has the Spirit in him and or her and can go about doing those things. So I look at that and I'm like, He was right. It's better. That's way better than Jesus being physically present in one location that we'd all have to fly to to see. That's way better. In John chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus says, All that belongs to the Father is mine. Wow. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And making known something to us doesn't just mean giving us wisdom or revelation or insight. It is part of that. But it's also demonstration. 
So it's, it's power. It's a miracle. It's something that is acted out. We look at the scripture and we think making known means uh, just revelation because we're Westerners. But Easterners would be like it's an experience. It's both. It's knowledge and it's power. It's this experience with God. And all of it comes from the Father. All of it is His. Everything is possible. And that should take the ceiling off of our lives. What could be impossible for God? Nothing. Jesus made it really clear that the work of the Holy Spirit should be one of the most important things in our lives. In Luke 24, 49, right before he went back to heaven, he said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a power. He is a person. He is a part of the Godhead. He is God is Father, Son, and Spirit. He's not lesser. He is God. Everything that is in God is in His Spirit, and His Spirit comes to live within us. And because His Spirit lives within us, we become clothed with power from heaven. Nothing would be impossible. If you just do a study on impossible in the Scripture, in the New Testament, you will find Jesus constantly referring to that nothing would be impossible for us because of the work of the Spirit in our lives. Human ability is amazing, but we will always reach a limit. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, the ceiling comes off. And things that we didn't think were possible are possible. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about the Corinthian church giving offerings beyond their ability. God can make us able to do things beyond our ability, things we haven't been trained or taught for. I often pray for our tech team because we try to train our tech team and help our tech team, but I'm positive things are going to arrive that we have not trained them for. And I pray that God just supernaturally empowers them to know what to do in response. Now, I wish he answered that prayer every week, <laughs> but he sometimes doesn't. Or maybe we don't listen or hear. I don't know. But that's the type of living situation God wants from us, where we don't just look to our neighbor for help, but we look to him and say, help me. He did it for Daniel in the Old Testament. He made him ten times wiser than all of the other magicians of the day. And yet that was before the Holy Spirit was even poured out. How much more could he do that for us? And that doesn't mean don't go to school, don't study, don't use your human ability. It means don't just rely on your human ability. Use your ability through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. There's that concept again of power. In Acts chapter 2, the words of Jesus are fulfilled and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. At Restoration Church, we believe in an experience known as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in every person before, during, and after salvation. 
But there's an experience with the Holy Spirit, known as the baptism in the Holy Spirit, with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. The Scripture points it out. It refers to it often. And that is an experience of empowerment. The gift of tongues is meant to edify the individual who is praying in tongues, who is speaking in tongues. It's meant to strengthen and to build us up. We're encouraged throughout the Scripture to pray in the Holy Spirit to help us learn to have our awareness checked, if you will, to strengthen our God ability, not just our human ability. In John chapter 16, verse 8, we're taught that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin. So we see Him at work before people are saved. The Holy, any person who puts faith in Christ does so because the Holy Spirit drew them. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8. Jesus talks about it in John chapter 6, that the Holy Spirit is the agent who draws us. In Ephesians 1.13, in Him, in Christ, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in Him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. We believe every person who puts faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to live in them and work in them. We also believe that according to Acts chapter 2, in, in Acts chapter 4, that there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit that gives us a greater empowerment because we humble ourselves before the Spirit, we surrender our tongue, which James says is the hardest thing to surrender, and let Him speak through us in that way. I don't understand it all, I can't explain it all, but... Uh, I hate to have to move on, but I want to get to something else. In Acts chapter 4, here's the same group that in Acts chapter 2 were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. And in Acts chapter 4, they've been threatened. They're threatened with persecution. So you know what they did? They went to Facebook and they ranted about it. Nope, they didn't do that. You know what they did? They're like, Lord, hear their threats and enable us to speak with boldness. Not rudeness, boldness. Ben enable us to speak with power. And look at, look at what happens in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which where they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. In Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What are they getting filled again with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4? Well, in Ephesians 5.18, Paul tells us to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just like, well, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I've spoken tongues, check. No! We are to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, using that prayer language that He gives us, just trusting Him to move through us in ways that we've never imagined, not putting a ceiling on Him at all. And that's hard to do, because all of us at times are guilty of putting a ceiling where God doesn't want there to be a ceiling. See, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and there were what I would have referred to prior to today often as excesses or maybe abuses of the, the Spirit and just crazy things that took place. But I realized that I was looking at all of that through a lens. And so I can't even say today that what was happening was excessive because I wasn't in a place of humility looking at it. I just didn't want to be weird or crazy, and I was holding on to some stuff. So there could have been some excesses, and we know that today when we talk about the Holy Spirit and churches that talk about the gifts of the Spirit, man, some crazy things happen, and I'm going to read you a story in a little bit, and it's like, wow, see, that's why, it, I don't know, 
can I ask you to not throw the baby out with the bathwater? Because the power of the Holy Spirit was important enough for Jesus to tell his disciples, don't even try to do this until you've been clothed with power. Because your human ability, you'll have success. You'll gather a crowd, you'll get people to come, but you won't be able to do it without the power of my spirit. You need him. You need him. You need him to go to work. You need him to handle cranky people at work. You need him to handle your children. You need him to hold your tongue when your spouse says something and you want to like spout back. You need him. I need him. Because my ability is not enough. The, the power of the Holy Spirit, again, is not just for miracles, resurrection. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Look at this one. If you live according to your old nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you keep putting to death the practices of the body, you will live. In other words, we need the power of the Holy Spirit sometimes even to overcome addictions or sin habits or just a loose tongue. Man, at the end of the day, stop and think about how many times you said something negative about someone or put someone down or just were flippant with what you spoke. And it's like, wow, why do I keep... Holy Spirit, I need your help. And if you're going to go into a conversation with someone that you generally get in a gossip circle with, pray in the Spirit before you get there. That's what the Holy Spirit came for, to empower us to overcome sin, to empower us to perform miracles, to empower us to be kind to the unkind, to love our enemies, to have thoughts and ideas that didn't start with me or my education, but started in Him. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> in John chapter 16, Jesus says this, When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but he will say only what he hears, and he will also announce to you the events of the future. The Holy Spirit longs to give us practical advice, day-to-day -day decisions. We could ask him. I mean, he created everything. He's a good one to ask. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do about this. Help me out. I mean, I just had a conversation with someone this week that was having some problems, and they said, I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, check here. And I checked there, and sure enough, there was a problem. Huh. You mean you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you in your practical life? Yes. He's been dying for you to take that ceiling off. He wants to help us. Pay attention to the times you say, can't. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray just illuminate the word can't in our vocabulary. Every time we hear it, make gongs go off in our ears. So then we stop and say, did I just put a ceiling somewhere? God doesn't want there to be one. We have to cultivate intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, sometimes we're afraid of doing something wrong, or what if it's not the Holy Spirit, or what if I say that? And it, Here's the thing, if you don't practice, and if you don't just get consistent, It'll never happen. We have to just start trusting and developing that relationship with Him. That Spirit-empowered enablement. One of my favorite prophets in the Old Testament is Elisha. Because he did a lot of miracles like Elijah did, but I love the fact that he throws a stick in the water and an axe head floats to the surface. Because some guy borrowed an axe head and lost it. 
and the guy's like freaking out. And Elisha's like, <laughs> I'm like, that is not just a cool story. That's something that the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. When your coworker's freaking out because something happened in their computer, I mean, listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying. I mean, don't just throw a stick at it. But that's what we like to do. We're like, well, Elisha threw a stick at it, so I'm going to throw it. No, develop a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit that makes stuff like that possible. Because how many of you have coworkers whose computers crashed and they're like, blah, oh, that would be incredible. Or the poisonous soup. There's poison in the soup. And he just adds a little flour and he's like, okay, it's good now. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's practical. And it's supernatural. Don't put a ceiling on either one. Don't make it all supernatural and don't make it all practical because that's kind of what we do. All right. I want to read two stories because I feel like they're going to help us illustrate this idea. I, one of them comes from, well, let me give you one more verse first before I do that. 1 Corinthians 14.1. In the middle of what Paul is talking about as the things pertaining to the Spirit or the manifestations of the Spirit, he says this, Pursue love. However, keep on eagerly seeking the things pertaining to the Spirit. Keep on eagerly seeking. If your life is not marked by eagerly seeking the things pertaining to the Spirit, I would say you're disobeying Scripture. Because it says it right there. But if you're eagerly pursuing the things of the Spirit and not pursuing love, you're kind of being rude about it or mean about it because, hey, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. He's not rude. Tim Enlow uses the illustration of a garden hose. Like the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is like water flowing from a garden hose to someone who's thirsty. And if you've ever drank from a garden hose on a hot summer day, you taste a lot of garden hose. And sometimes the ministry of the Holy Spirit comes with a lot of garden hose to us. And our goal is to get to the point where people just taste water and not the hose. And so be humble enough to admit when there was a lot of hose in your ministry or when you shared a word with someone and there was a lot of flesh attached to it. And also when people come to you and there's a lot of garden hose, give a lot of grace. And just realize everyone's still in process, okay? We're all pursuing love and eagerly seeking the things pertaining to the Spirit. So, story number one. Mark Batterson, in his book, Draw the Circle, tells this story about author and speaker Ken Gobb. And it says, a few years ago, I heard author Ken Gobb share one of the most amazing prayer testimonies I've ever heard. He and his family were driving on I-75 near Dayton, Ohio, when they decided to stop at a restaurant. Ken's wife and children, children went into the restaurant while he stretched his legs. As he walked past a nearby gas station, he heard a payphone ringing. The phone kept ringing, and Ken thought it might be some sort of emergency, so he answered it. He heard the voice of an operator who said, Long distance for Ken Gobb. Ken almost passed out. He said, You've got to be kidding me. I was just walking in the middle of nowhere and heard this phone ringing. The confused operator said, is Ken Gobb there? <laughs> After making sure there were not candid cameras, he said, this is Ken Gobb. A voice on the other side of the line said, 
Mr. Gobb, my name is Millie. I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You don't know me, but I need your help. She went on to explain she had just written a suicide note, but decided to give prayer one more shot. She said, God, I don't really want to do this. And as she prayed, she remembered seeing Ken Gobb on television. She thought to herself, if I could just talk with him, he could help me. But this was pre-Google, making it extremely difficult to track him down. As she prayed, some numbers popped into her head. Huh. And she wrote them on a piece of paper. She couldn't help but think, wouldn't it be wonderful if God were giving me Ken's number? Then Millie said, I decided to try calling the number, and I couldn't believe when the operator said it was you. Millie asked Ken, are you in your office? <laughs> the funny thing is, his office is in Washington, and he's in Dayton, Ohio. Okay? Ken said, no. Millie sounded surprised. She said, where are you? Ken said, you made the call, don't you know? She said, I don't even know what area I'm calling. I just dialed the number on a piece of paper. Ken said, you won't believe this. I'm in a phone booth in Dayton, Ohio. Millie replied, what are you doing there? Ken said, answering a payphone." <laughs> Ken went on to draw this conclusion. I walked away from that phone booth with an electrifying sense of our Heavenly Father's concern for each of His children. What are the astronomical odds of this happening? With all the millions of phones and innumerable combinations of numbers, only an all-knowing God could have caused that woman to dial that number in that phone booth at that moment, at that time. The question is, are you willing to make that call? Are you willing to listen to the Holy Spirit pop numbers into your head and actually take that risk? And it might not be a phone call. It might be just a picture in your mind that you need to share to the person that's right beside you in the crowd at the fair. It may be that, that word that pops into your mind that you need to share with a coworker that doesn't make any sense to you right now. Are you willing to make the phone call? Are you willing to answer the phone that's ringing? Because you never know who's on the other side. Now, I talked about the consistent intimacy that we need with the Holy Spirit. Most of us, or many of us, in our, I shouldn't say most, many of us in our Christian world today, we throw up Hail Marys. We're like, well, I haven't been living right, but I'm going to just cry out to God. But some people won't even throw the Hail Mary because they let guilt and they're like, well, I haven't been living right. Well, I haven't really prayed. Can I just say, when, if you ever want to call on God, just do it. Whether you've been living right or not, throw the Hail Mary. Okay, I don't know if you saw this week, just this week, I believe it was Lincoln High School in Sioux Falls was playing at Watertown, okay? Five seconds left in the game, Lincoln is losing, they throw a 53-yard Hail Mary, and it's caught, it's a touchdown, and they're excited! I mean, nobody, the Lincoln coach did not go into that game saying, okay guys, here's what we're going to do, we're going to drop a plan, we're going to keep the game so close that we can win on a 53-yard Hail Mary, no, nobody draws up that plan. But it, with five seconds left in the game, they don't take a knee either. We're going to take a shot. So I am telling you, you need to get in a consistent relationship with the Holy Spirit, but don't be afraid of a Hail Mary, okay? Don't put any ceiling on where God is concerned. The second story comes from 
John Ortberg. He wrote a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. And he tells a story about Tony Campolo. Tony Campolo is uh, an evangelist. And he says, one of my favorite stories about intercessory prayer comes from Tony Campolo. A prayer meeting was held for him just before he spoke at a Pentecostal college chapel service. Eight men took Tony to a back room of the chapel, had him kneel, laid their hands on his head, and began to pray. Now, if you've never grown up in a Pentecostal circle, you're not sure what's happening, but if you did, you know exactly what's happening. They laid their hands on him and began to pray. That's a good thing, Tony wrote, except that they prayed a long time. And the longer they prayed, the more tired they got. And the more tired they got, the more they leaned on his head. I want to tell you that when eight guys are leaning on your head, it doesn't feel good. To make matters worse, one of the men was not even praying for Tony. He went on and on praying for some guy named Charlie Stoltzfus. Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stoltzfus. He lives in that silver trailer down the road a mile. You know the trailer, Lord, just down the road on the right-hand side. Have you ever been in that room? I have been in that room. <laughs> Tony said he wanted to inform the prayer it's not necessary to furnish God with directional material. But he continued, Lord, Charlie told me this morning he's going to leave his wife and three kids. Step in and do something, God. Bring that family back together. Tony writes that he finally got the Pentecostal preachers off of his head, delivered his message, and got in his car to drive home. Now, for some of us, that weird type of experience is exactly why we don't eagerly pursue the gifts of the Spirit. I was one of them. And we could stop there and be like, yep, them weird Pentecostal colleges. But let me read the rest of the story. As Tony drove onto the Pennsylvania Turnpike, he noticed a hitchhiker. I'll let Tony tell the story from there. I picked up the hitchhiker, and we drove a few minutes, and I said, Hi, my name is Tony Campolo. What's yours? He said, My name is Charlie Stoltzfus. I couldn't believe it. I got off the turnpike at the next exit, and I headed back. He got a bit uneasy with that, and after a few minutes, he said, Hey, mister, where are you taking me? I said, I'm taking you home. He narrowed his eyes and asked, Why? I said, Because you just left your wife and three kids, right? That blew him away. Yeah, that's right. With shock written all over his face, he plastered himself against the car door and never took his eyes off of me. Then I really did him in as I drove right to his silver trailer. When I pulled up, his eyes seemed to bulge as he asked, how did you know I lived here? I said, God told me. <laughs> he does say, I believe God did tell me. When he opened the trailer door, his wife exclaimed, exclaimed, you're back, you're back. He whispered in her ear, and the more he talked, the bigger her eyes got. Then I said with real authority, the two of you sit down. I'm going to talk to you, and you are going to listen. Man, did they listen. That afternoon, I led those two young people to Jesus Christ. See, it's easy for us. I mean, I say, stay away from the weird. Don't be crazy. But sometimes, God can still speak in the crazy. And the, the ceiling of cynicism sometimes keeps us from experiencing God because we don't like the, the, the garden hose. God can do it. This is the kind of story He wants to tell in your life. I mean, it's not going to happen every day. 
Or maybe it will when we start just being aware that He wants to speak. We serve the God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. Did you catch that? He can do immeasurably more through the power at work in us. That's pretty cool. All right. I want you to, to take a moment. I want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to, I just want you to sit for just a second. And I'm not going to go long, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone today. But if you're in this room today and you have never made Christ the Lord of your life, you've never surrendered your life to Him, God sent His Son to this earth to die in our place so that we could put confidence in what Christ did for us. We could have our sins forgiven and we could walk in right relationship with God because of Jesus. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives. And if you've never done that today, it's as simple as saying, God, I admit I've broken your law. I'm, I'm, I have sinned. I need what Christ did for me and confessing that you want to follow Christ. You want to commit your life to Him. It's that simple. And I hope that most of us in this room or those watching online have made that commitment. But today I want to make sure that all of us have also had the opportunity to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And for those of you in this room that you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's as simple as just humbling yourself before Him and saying, Holy Spirit, I want all that you have for my life. I want your power at work in me to give me the grace and the strength to overcome sin, to be kind to those who are unkind, for miracles to take place, whether they're practical or supernatural, for you to move, to take every ceiling off of my life. And as you ask the Holy Spirit to come and baptize you, I believe that, the, that speaking in tongues is the evidence of that baptism. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you that words will come to your mind that you actually need to speak out. And I'm, I'll tell you, I struggled with this for many years. For many years I struggled with, with having the... I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was, was, was filling me, but I felt like I was only saying words that I had heard other people speak, so I never wanted to speak them out. And one day I finally just said, you know what? I don't know if it's just me, I don't know if it's God, but I'm going to speak it out. And my life has not been the same since. It takes a level of faith and trust in God to just speak out what He's saying. And so right where you're sitting, I just want you to put your hands in a receiving posture. You just put your hands right out in front of you. And if we could put some music on in the background. I just want to have some noise in the background. There's nothing spiritual about the noise, it just helps us from being distracted. And I want us to focus our attention on the Lord. Because it's not about the power, it's about the presence. The stories are cool, but I can't live by the stories. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life because I need His presence in my life. I need that relationship. I need that assurance. And I hope I didn't give you the impression that it's all about power. It's about Him. And if you're in this room today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you're watching online and you've never done it, do it now. God, I've broken your law. I need your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. I commit myself to you. 
to follow you, to make you the Lord of my life. And then I want all of us today, whether you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit or you haven't, to just ask Him to fill us. Because I'm guessing that there are those of us in the room, much like the disciples, who were faced with threats, who were faced with situations where human ability wasn't enough, and you don't have answers. Maybe you have frustrations. Maybe you have fears. Maybe you have anxieties. Maybe you have insecurities. Whatever the ceiling is. Maybe you have cynicism. But just take that ceiling off and just say, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Fill me today. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. And as He prompts you, I want you to speak in that language that He gives you. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, He's already given you that language. Just begin to speak in it. Just begin to pray in it. Let Him strengthen your inner man today. Let Him give you the power to hold your tongue when you need to hold your tongue. Let Him give you the power that you need to overcome that addiction once and for all. That stronghold that you keep battling. Let Him give you the strength in your inner man. And we're just going to take a few minutes and just pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in that language that He's given you. It doesn't have to be loud. It just, if it's genuine, it just has to be out loud. You can't pray it in your mind. You have to pray it with your lips. So begin to pray it out. Just let Him empower you and strengthen you. Just for a few moments, we're going to take 60 seconds and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us today, whether for the first time or whether it's just to be refilled. But let's take 60 seconds. Let's pray in the Spirit together right now. If you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you have been given that prayer language, I want to encourage you, use it every single day. You can't overuse that. When you're struggling at work with something, take a few minutes and bow your head and you can pray in tongues quietly. I mean, I know that in Pentecostal circles, we love the loud, we love the... And I'm not going to say loud should never be there, but if we only do loud or if we only do soft, we're putting a ceiling. And you're going to encounter moments where if you pray loudly in the Spirit, you're actually going to close the door and you could blame it on the other person, but it's actually you being too much water hose, too much garden hose. And so you can pray in the Spirit when you need strength. When you're about to blow your lid with your kids, stop and pray in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need your help right now because I'm ticked. You know, you can be honest with the Holy Spirit. I'm ticked. 
when you just don't know what to do about a situation or a relationship, say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do about this relationship, and then pray in the Spirit. You can pray in the Spirit while you're reading the Scripture. You can pray in the Spirit while you're worrying about something. You can say, no, I'm going to take that to the Lord right now, and I'm going to pray in the Spirit and let Him give me guidance. And you may not get a direct answer right away. You may. Pay attention for the way the Holy Spirit speaks, and don't put ceilings on what He wants to do. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, can I just say, don't get frustrated Don't get cynical, but keep eagerly seeking. Tim Enlow wrote the book, Goodbye uh, Chicken, Hello Dove, but he wrote another book called Want More that we have copies of that talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit in great detail. Um, It's a small book. And so if you want one of those copies or you just want to have a one-on-one conversation about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit in their car, in their bedroom, in my living room, in, in other people's living rooms, in the outdoors, at the fair. People have been baptized in the Holy Spirit everywhere. There's not a ceiling on this thing. The Holy Spirit wants to fill your life more than He already is. That's for everybody. He wants to fill our lives more than He already is. So take the ceiling off. No more cans. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And so, Holy Spirit, we want to be a people without ceiling, without limit. We don't want our cynicism or our pride or our fear or our insecurity. We don't want anything to hinder what you want to do in our lives. We want to walk through every moment of our lives fully aware that we are citizens of heaven, living on earth with heaven on the inside of us. We know that there's nothing impossible for you, but remind us that there's nothing impossible for you because of your power at work within us, that you can do immeasurably more than anything we would ask or even imagine. And Holy Spirit, help us not to limit you. When we're at work, when we're at home, wherever we find ourselves, Help us to take the ceiling off and to let you work through our lives in ways we can't even imagine. So Holy Spirit, take the things that I said today wrong and make them right in the ears and the hearts and the minds of every person in this room. Take the things that you spoke and put them deep in our hearts today and that, so that they would bear fruit in our lives even today. Even today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you ever have a testimony similar or any type of testimony where this is working itself out in your life, I'd love for you to share that with me. I mean, I know from time to time I hear like so-and-so said, hey, did you hear what so-and-so happened in their life about? And I'm like, no. And then they tell me, I'm like, well, why didn't they tell me? I don't know. They should have told you. It's really cool. I want to hear how God's been working in your life. So as you start putting these things into practice, share those with me. You can call, you can text, you can email, you can church center, you can Facebook, you can do whatever. Um, But share those testimonies with me. I love to hear them. Thank you guys for being here today. Um, I pray that God would bless you as you go. Uh, Don't forget to stop by the table in the back. If you're a guest, we have a card and a gift for you back there. We want to get that in your hands before you leave today. And uh, thank you for being with us today. God bless you as you go. And enjoy your day at the South Dakota State Fair. I love you guys. See you next week.